You're listening to the podcast for grain merchandisers by grain merchandisers. Join us in our good humored attempt to serve as a voice of reason in an industry fraught with misconceptions and half truths. And now, from deep in America's heartland, this is the Elevator's Cut. Welcome back to the Elevator's Cut. I'm Roger Gaddis. And I'm Jason Wheeler. And today, we're going to talk about the thing that's in the news. I mean, far and wide, it's the most uh, sensational story in agriculture this year. Peeled directly from the headlines. Straight from, Na- straight from the epicenter of where all ag news comes from. National news. New York City. Yes, the New York Times, where everyone looks for their agriculture news, has once again put their tireless efforts into reporting on uh, us uh, hillbillies out here in flyover country. (laughs) Yeah, so what we're referring to is the massive pile to the tune of every bushel grown in the U.S. this, this year of soybeans that is rotting in North Dakota. Correct. Um. It's uh, it's been a uh, lots of lots of action on on uh, Twitter, social media, uh, in response to this article. Uh, really, I was fascinated to see all the people who who read the New York Times apparently regularly regularly because, as we know, if you don't get it delivered to your doorstep in the morning, there's no way you could have known of. Of what the newspaper says. Um, for our younger listeners uh, we have out there, newspapers are these old things that people used to used to read. Are you familiar with the little symbol on on websites that looks like a little box with lines going left to right in them? That's meant to represent a newspaper. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, maybe on a future episode we'll bring someone from an older generation that could explain it better. Um, but uh, that's not really the point of this episode. We are, uh, we, we really would like to delve into, into this. So I'll, I'll go ahead and read the title. Um, it, uh, the title says, There's soybeans piling up. Farmers hope trade war ends before beans rot. And, with, and, and then the subtitle underneath says, North Dakota's soybean crops are flourishing, but China has stopped buying. And right there is where you can just stop reading if you're educated. But if not, then, you know, feel free to... No, if you're educated and enjoy... Uh, Satire? En- enjoy a little comedy. Yeah, you, you uh, absolutely will read on as, as we did. Uh, like, whew, I wonder what uh, the New York Times has to say about the North Dakota soybean crop. This ought to be rich. And indeed, it was. <laughs> now, you know, if they had said, in their defense, in defense of the ignorant, if they had said Arkansas Delta soybeans are rotting, it, then I'd said, okay, yeah. Granted, they are. They're just turning to, to poo in the fields. And I don't think anybody would disagree with that. But this is in North Dakota, and as we know, that's not the case. Yes. Yes, indeed. Um, you know, it's interesting. 
I think anybody, whether you're in agriculture or any field, if the newspaper or, or any media outlet's ever done a story, I use air quotes uh, that you can't see when I say that, but a story on something you are familiar with, uh, something that happened to you, you immediately see these people are so you know, off base here. They don't understand, obviously, um, anytime that happens. So I, I guess, you know, we, we may get on them, but that's true of, of all media and everything. If you're sure. actually familiar with it. However, what do we do? We read news all the time if it's not about us. And we're like, wow, I didn't realize that. And that's, you know, this is really, so it's it's uh, it's interesting. And, and we don't want to get um, political here. Uh, which I think is the New York Times slogan. Uh, maybe not. I'm not sure. But um, <laughs> but but honestly, um, you know, this whole fake news things and, and Trump's, you know, I, I make the term fake news. And he, he's, a, he's a marketing that guy, I guess. Himself and, and is a, fake news. A PR guy. Uh, so he, he makes it. But we've had fake news since as long as I can remember, you know. Um, if, if they're reporting, <laughs> they probably don't know the whole story and maybe misrepresenting some some key things that fake news since the germans invaded pearl harbor at least <laughs> uh so it's you know they interview a guy that's a manager of an elevator company up there in north dakota and and uh just, it was an acquaintance um uh just a, just a you know, grain industry acquaintance um and i reached out to him after this come out because he had He'd already took to Twitter and was saying how, you know, it's, it was almost like I, I regretted having <laughs> having given this interview because you get taken so out of context. You know, there's the truth. People in North Dakota pile beans every year. Every year, regardless if there's tariffs or not. The last several years, there's bean piles on the ground. Maybe they're a little bigger this year. Maybe they don't move it as quick, but it's the same stuff. And the the concept of you know worrying about them rotting, they're going to move before they rot. But th- th- to say this, you know, it was probably one of those off the cuff, you know, hi, you know, we just got to get them out here before they rot. Well, to someone that's not familiar with the industry, okay, I can see how they take that. But it's, uh, it's it reminds me of time. This was uh, when I was at the elevator in Louisiana and we had a reporter from Alexandria the big town around come out and uh, one of our board members happened to be at the elevator and this reporter came and he said, hi, you know, it's, it's, I don't know. It was probably first week of July, second week of July, a few weeks before corn harvest. And he come out and he said, I need to do a story on the crop, on the crops. So that was just slang to me of, Hey, it's slow news day. I need to talk about something and your bit, your, your facility is tall and beckoning off the interstate, so I decided to pull in and talk to you guys. So Mr. David said, yeah, I'll load up and we'll go drive around one of his fields and he can ask questions and we can answer them hopefully and he can write him up a nice little story in the Alexandria paper about it. We're driving around and Mr. David's driving. I'm riding shotgun and a reporter's in the back seat and a young guy and I was driving around and me and Mr. David were talking about, you know, the crop looks good and this and you know, that'll be a, a good harvest and whatnot, prices. The guy in the back, he's not saying much at all. Mr. David kind of looks back as we're driving over some turn roads. He says, what do you think? And the guy's just got this look of shock on his face. And he goes, I, I, 
I don't I don't even understand. This looks like a disaster out here. And Mr. David and I look at each other and he goes, What do you mean? He goes, well, Everything's dead. <laughs> I didn't realize we had a drought. You know, we're a week and a half, two weeks for corn harvest and I thought Mr. David was gonna tell that guy to, to pound sand, get out of the truck and walk back to town right then and there. But you know, he, he didn't know even though Alexandria is a small town and completely surrounded by farm ground. There's there's combines and cotton pickers driving through the traffic circles in the middle of town all fall. You know, it's it's an ag place, but um, you know, just shows you the disconnect. So, should we extend grace to a reporter from New York? Yes. Should we land base the tar out of him online? Absolutely. <laughs> so it, it's it's a yin and yang thing. Sure. It's a. Uh... Yeah, I mean, as you dealt there, one thing, one funny thing is uh, they did issue a correction here at the end of the article, um, which which I think is good. The correction was they misspelled one of the names they quoted. That was the correction. I thought, oh, good correction. Oh, they're gonna uh, now they've put this out there and people have informed them and and uh, it's gonna be better. But it is um, it is better for that family, I guess. They are now better represented uh, in the New York Times. Um, no, so anyways, um, well, so the point of the article, well... <laughs> well, we got to look think, at the date of the article. When did it come out? November 5th. Mm-hmm. Hmm. <laughs> what happened on the next day? We did the vote thing. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah... <laughs> The uh, well, that's it. You know, it's hey, we have these trade things going on. New York Times is obviously has has their own uh, set of goals uh, politically, and you know they they wanted to make people worried about policy coming out, and and uh, so I get that. So they see a pile of soybeans, and they say, "Oh no, what's happening?" They interview a guy. They twist his words by his own admission. Oh, I, twist words may be strong, but taking out of context some things to push their... They decided, I'm going to write an article on this. I need some quotes from a guy. There we go. Now I can write my article on this. Um, however, anyways, it, it's just it's just funny, you know, grain elevators, of course, collect grain and maybe they pile it, maybe they put it in bins, but um, they, they don't exist if they let things rot no matter what the market may, may bear. That's a bad business uh, plan. <laughs> so the the title and uh, everything makes you hope. And, you know, people on social media are sharing this that are not in agriculture and are like, oh, gosh, look at this. You know, our, our poor farmers who um, are laying their beans out. I think the, the, uh, the writer of this article would have been shocked to know that, that, uh, that this – this guy who piled all these grain beans was not a farmer himself uh, or, or that, you know, these, these, uh, these beans are not necessarily a farmer's bean. Now they may not be, they may be farmer owned still, right? They could be on storage or sure. price later, uh, uh, well, price later, I guess technically not farm, but it's North Dakota. It's probably storage if, if they're not priced. So maybe the elevator, maybe the elevator doesn't own them. Maybe they are farmer owned, but let me tell you what, they've already been graded. And if, if any anything uh, bad happens with the quality of those beans, it is not the farmer's. Right. You know, the farmer doesn't have to hope this grain elevator can sell it before my before before the quality of my grain goes. Nope, that's already set and you're done. 
Uh, which of course is, uh, I mean, just something someone outside the industry doesn't maybe understand. So, um, it's, it's kind of, uh, it, but it's pushing that narrative of, Hey, which, which is, which is, is that is, is a whole other rabbit trail, which we have some time. So I'm going to go down. It is, you know, the whole thing of, of, of grain going into a facility and, Inevitably, when harvest starts, some of it's wet, probably, because guys are just getting going. And, oh, we went around the edges of the field, it was dry, then you get in the middle of it and it gets wet. And, you know, well, other ones was dry once you average it out. What Some elevators do, some don't. But, you know, you're graded on the grain as it goes in. And this gets back to the storage thing Jason's talking about. It doesn't matter if they rot or not, it's on the elevator. <clears throat> But then, you know, the, the, the leaving, you know, if it was different, if, if the producers had their way, it's like, well, you're going to blend it out, so you shouldn't be discounting. And essentially saying, you know, if you get it out of here in good condition, I should get some of that back. Well, then it would be, well, if it does go with the rot, then we've got to charge the farmer more. You know, so it's, it's that's the two sides of that coin. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like the, you know, negative basis, positive basis, and convergence, you know, thing. But anyway, uh, it, it's just kind of a... a Factor where it's completely on the handler to maintain the quality of that stuff. Right. You know. I guess in extreme case, the beans go bad, the elevator burns down. Now they don't have beans, but, you know, they have a bond. But, right. you know, that's that's kind of, that's on the far end of the Gaussian curve. The uh, That's why you're here, for those big words. I don't know what that means. Just read a book, man. That's good. Occam's Razor, that's the only one I it's know. It's No Shave November. No shame, November. Both. Okay. Um, anyways, that's when this article was written. That's good. Um, the uh, I, I just taken some quotes from the article here. Um, the hope is it, here's <laughs> they they introduced Miss Mr. introduced Mr. Carroll there, and uh, they said the hope is that I say it could be Carell. I don't know. K a r e l. Anyways. Uh, the hope is that prices rise before the beans rot. That is the sentence from our uh, nice journalist there. Um, <clears throat> the hope is that prices rise, prices will rise before the beans rot. And then they have a quote. This is where you can take things out of context and it's easy to see how it happens. Um, a quote from Mr. Carroll says, We're sitting on the edge of our seat. That is the entire quote from... Mr. Carroll. Now, I'm sure he, when he said that, he might have been talking about something completely, probably 100% sure he was talking about something <laughs> completely different and unrelated to that sentence that the journalist uh, put before us. Because as we know, once a grain elevator has it, the prices are, are not uh, significant. It is, they are basis traders. Um, they have a hedged position. If they've bought it, They've hedged it. If not, it's on storage, and uh, they're looking for uh, their best market basis-wise. Now, yes, China is is out of the market, and they they look in here that exports to China are down 94%. Um, guess what, guys? There are still some beans from America that end up in China, I bet you. Um, oh, no doubt. Going through other countries that do not have a trade war going on or whatever. Um and yes, it but it does add costs, and it 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 makes it you know gets a makes a burden to to go to mm-hmm. China. Maybe there's go betweens in that, you know. I get all that, but um, some extra logistic 
uh, margins happen and things. Look like at that. it this way: look, if you're if you're if you're like take from the producer level, if you've got three bins on the farm and you filled them up with grain and you're pulling out a one deliver and it gets rejected for wet or mold or whatever, what do you do? Go pull out a different bin, try to fulfill your obligation. Mm-hmm. Let's ramp that up a, a, a degree or two scale-wise and take one of the you know international major grain companies. They've got bins on this continent, on South America, all over the place. And, oh, this is swapping grain around. This one doesn't go, and we'll just pull out of this one and replace it over here. Grain moves. It will move from where it is to where it ain't, always. Yeah. Well, and... Um... And then later in the article, you know, they do uh, interview some farmers and they give uh, some great uh, statistics that all of us in the grain industry know about how prices last year were $10 and now they're eight and a half dollars and, you know, it's all because of this. Now it could be, it could be, I'm just going to throw this out there, that maybe we had a lot of bean acres, a huge carryover, and... um, and good yields. I uh, I was in Illinois last week. There were guys who, it, overall, elevators averaging in the 70s, mid to high 70s bushels per acre in beans. And I know that's in Illinois, but still, that's fantastic mm-hmm. um, for them. And there, <laughs> some guys had individual farmers average, average 96 bushel bean yields. Incredible. Unbelievable. And... And they had more bean acres in Illinois than than they've ever like these guys in their area. I said, I mean, everybody who who uh, who wanted to switch at all were, were switching to beans, and they had a whole lot of bean acres. And um, it's been it's been crazy. So that has an impact. I, I'm not saying the trade war has no impact, but <laughs> that has an impact. And so, um, I mean. I've never read an article that had quotes from farmers saying we have it too good. Prices are too good and everything is too bountiful for us, please. Uh, please find ways to make it stop. Um, as a matter of fact, I've only heard the opposite. <laughs> and this article is no exception. Um, and, and you know, it, uh, we can get into farm marketing and all that. But the, the whole, hey, it's, it was $10 last year, now it's $8.50. Well, you guess what it was? $10 a few months ago for this crop, you could have sold it. Right. And you know, from the elevator side of things, um, again, this gets back to market signals and being able to do what the market's telling you. Even with the, the overall lower tone of cash prices, in, in the tune of both lower futures levels than earlier this year, I mean, it, it's all relative, we know, but and lower basis, and in some places, historically low basis levels for harvest time due to, you know, Everything coming at once and not having outlets for it, mm-hmm. um, you know that that that's a big impact. But from the for the merchandiser for the elevator, what they could get owned, what they got bought at harvest. You know, here we are in a lot of places in the country are wrapping up harvest right now or have already in the last week or so. Bean basis has popped up anywhere from ten to in some places twenty cents. You know, St. Louis has moved yeah. a bunch here recently. Yeah. So there's been an opportunity to merchandising still works. That's what I'm getting at. The the market is still functioning as it should. It's just maybe at a different level overall. Basis movements happening. Basis is getting grain to work where it needs to be. Uh, but that is limited by ownership at elevators. Yeah. 
for policies, you know, if it's price later, things like that. And again, with price later, no one really wants to, you know, move beans on price later in a carry market like this. I mean, that's kind of, especially this early on. Uh, but in some places we're hearing, you know, that some processors are offering free DP because basis isn't getting it bought. Mm-hmm. So uh, the market is still working. It's just at a different, you know, starting point, so to speak. Right. Yeah, I um, on the I, I I always I read these articles and you know we got our name the elevators cut podcast from from a something similar to this you know a guy reporting something he had no idea you know walking through a Milo field talking about this wheat crop and how how bad it was and um anyways you know it's like hey last year the price was this and this year the price is this and shock awe you know can you believe it well. Hey, 15 years ago, beans were $5. Who wants to talk about that? Well, nobody. And it's a different market. Every year's a different market. You can't um, <laughs> you can't move things from one market to another. And, and that's honestly, there's a lot of farm marketing that is, hey, let's let's set our futures now and our basis now. Let's let's try to marry this market with this market that are completely unrelated. Every day, the futures price and the basis go together. Uh, to converge, one reflects yes. one reflects each other to 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 give an appropriate spot price, you know, any given day, um, and any given forward bid too. Uh, but uh, but it's for one's one right. slot, and so if you try to take one from one and one from another, try to try to hit a home run. I mean, great, but it could be whatever the opposite of a home run is a strikeout. Um, <laughs> Is that the opposite? It's definitely at the other end of the spectrum. We'll give it that. Go sports. Anyways. um, But it's like the the backside of, you know, if you were comparing 2009 bean prices to 2012, you know, it went from $9 beans to $17 beans or whatever it was after that. You know, it's a, it makes sense. But, you know, this article doesn't necessarily get into it, but there's also recent articles talking about our futures, soybean futures contracts broken and, no, no. The market's doing its job. Whether you choose to participate in it or not is up to you, each individual participant that's in there. But to say it's not doing its job because it doesn't align with your position is kind of nutty. Yeah. To me. Nutty or squirrel turds. I'm just one man, though. Hey, uh, no, so, but, I mean, honestly, it's, hey, let's, last year versus this year, it's $10 versus $8 or whatever. But it's we are uh, comparing year completely different supply and demand situations, mm-hmm. and com- you know, there may, sure Trump's trade war or whatever you want to call it might have affected that, but that's not the only thing. Well, the other thing is we had a massive soybean crop, we had lots of acres, we had good yields, and we had a big carryover, bigger than we've seen in forever. Uh, carryover. Guess what? That sort of environment. Tends to have lower prices. I mean, this is—I don't know if any of you guys have taken economics or not, but you probably didn't have to. <laughs> hey, when you have a whole bunch of stuff, it don't cost as much. Um, so that—that's a—it uh, it gets back to the whole carry carry spreads, carry structure in the market as a function of cash price, and you know, lower cash price right now at harvest because of a big glut of stuff, big carries to entice you to pull it out. It's just the opposite of. Big inversions, you know, when there's not much of stuff around and prices are high and the market's going to penalize you to carry what you have via inversions. It's 
it makes perfect sense, but it just gets distorted, right? Now, to wrap this up, though, um, I w- even though the New York Times only corrected that person, the spelling of a person's name in the article, I do have, we do have some, some follow-up of, of uh, this, this manager they interviewed that worried his beans were going to rot and put the big picture of his soybean pile. He, he tweeted about, so he, you know, he's the person that they, that they interviewed, and, and it was a little bit out of context or whatever, but he said, just for clarity, I piled, uh, you know, a million beans or whatever it was. I, I piled these beans like I've done every year for the last few years. <laughs> so, one, that's not a change. Right. Uh, and two, they are all sold uh, that will be picked up, you know, in a couple months here. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're already sold and they were going to be like I do every, every like year. I've done every single year. Is it just for clarity? So, anyways, it's a, a shock headline and and a misinformed journalist who doesn't understand the business uh, pushing a certain narrative. Sure, and they do get to it later. You know, they interview farmers say, "Ah, hey, this is hard because prices aren't as good and that sort of thing," um, which. Whatever, um, that that's uh, it, it's a real thing, right? It, yes. Of course, it has impact. We we say the supply is a lot bigger, so of course prices are going to be lower. But if demand is affected, obviously that also affects uh, prices uh, negatively. So the case. big takeaway: beans probably aren't going to rot in North Dakota, probably, and just stay out of the spot market. There's your lesson. Be proactive. Man, everybody loves being proactive. There you go. And if you read an article about maybe an industry you don't know about and it shocks you and amazes you, maybe... Go research it on Twitter. And it'll be maybe if you can find somebody in that area, maybe it's <laughs> not so shocking as you think. Which is a good lesson for all of us, I think. Uh, look at the, These guys tried to found some pile of beans in the North Dakota that they knew nothing about and made a political story out of it. I mean, ultimately, is what yeah. they're trying to do. And to shock people, get people upset about these poor farmers in North Dakota and and all that. So I think those of us in the industry, most of you listen to the podcast and everything, know that know better. And we've it's talked not about really why. a story. Yeah. Right, but I think a lot of stories that we read get us all excited. I know I fall for it all the time. Like, I can't, did you know this? Can you believe this? I can't believe they're doing this. Where'd I hear it from a story? Did I talk to anybody actually in that industry, or is this just a journalist writing? Like, eh. That's the yeah. way I feel on these stories about hemp and cannabis. I had to go to Randy and find out because I, I don't know anything about the business. He, he, he does. <laughs> <laughs> ah, we love millennials. Roger's a millennial. Nope. <laughs> Missed that cut off by a few years, pal. <laughs> uh, All right, man. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of The Elevator's Cut. So for Jason, I'm Roger. And for Roger, I'm Jason. Out. Out.